You are listening to the Gator Slant, a Florida Gators podcast from ChopTalk.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gator Slant, an all-sports Florida Gators podcast from ChompTalk.com. Uh, guys, we've made it to episode number 20, and uh, we, we had a nice little break, I think, uh, <laughs> this last couple of weeks. Uh, Jesse, talk about your break, because I think you might have had one of the more interesting breaks of any of us, huh? I had a lot happen. Uh, a lot of good news uh, happening, and I guess I'll start with that, is I'm returning to the show as um, the assistant sports editor uh, for The Alligator. <laughs> <laughs> super so, glad uh, for you on that one well deserved thank you thank you thank you and uh so yeah shout out to ryan for you know telling me to apply i'm super excited for the job i think i think it, we've been left in great hands thanks to ryan and zach and me, me and uh tech on wash will take care of it from here on out for sure and um yeah and then uh, you know i was out in lake tahoe california I had a great time but ran rang in the new year with, with my family and um hit the slopes didn't break any legs and i'm back here in one piece and um yeah, super excited. Oh, I also got this really cool podcast machine that I'm going to try and set up next week. Uh, so hopefully maybe our show will get a lot more spicy um, content. Ooh, there's cheers, booze. Yeah, there's like a sound Ooh. bar, a soundboard and everything. So that should be um, really fun. But hey, uh, also returning with a really nice haircut I see is uh, Ryan Haley. Ryan Harvey. Yeah, about, about five pounds, uh, five pounds lighter with that haircut. <laughs> lost, lost a lot of weight. Um, but no, it's been a good break. Um, I kind of, I'm on the opposite spectrum of you. I'm cycling out as an editor from the alligator. And uh, it has, I have played a ungodly amount of PlayStation over the last two weeks. And I won't apologize for it at all. I, it's been, it's been nice to have a, a little bit of a breather. I think um, a lot of people from the University of Florida can kind of follow the same. Uh, I've been, uh, I wouldn't say isolating. I've been battling some cold symptoms for the pretty much the entirety of break. Uh, started started with a sore throat on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. Uh, couldn't get my hands on a COVID test. So I figured I'd just kind of park myself in the house for 10 days anyway, just because I didn't know what I had. And I figured whether it was COVID or whether it was just a cold, I didn't want to make anybody sick with whatever it was. So um, kind of getting over that now. Still, still a little bit of congestion in the mornings, but um Overall, I guess not really a terrible way to spend winter break is sitting inside watching a lot of terrible football and playing a lot of video games. So, yeah, yeah, that relaxing stuff sounds nice. Uh, you have to mm. tell me, tell me all about that because I, I don't even know what that is. I'm one of those people who I work nine to five thirty Monday through Friday, uh, in addition to everything we do with the website and whatnot. And uh, I was very disappointed that both Christmas and New Year's were on Saturday. Uh, so I got absolutely no benefit from the holiday, except that I was tired the next day. Um, but anyway, it was nice getting to see family for the weekends. Um, actually, my my some of my family moved up to Gainesville. Uh, so we actually spent a lot of time this weekend moving all their stuff, um, which is just as exhausting as it sounds, I promise. Um, the highlight of my break as you guys call it. you guys got a break i it wasn't really a break for me but <laughs> uh the highlight of the break was the philadelphia freaking eagles clinching 
a playoff berth. Yeah, baby. And, uh, and let's go. Apparently, according to uh, shoot, I don't have it right now in front of me, but uh, it looks like there's a 69% chance. Uh, Ryan's favorite nice. number. Nice. Um, hey, well, me. Why am I getting singled out? <laughs> <laughs> um, that the Eagles will be going to Tampa for the first round of the playoffs. So. Uh, if that happens, mm. I plan on being there. And uh, even, you know, I saw the first game this year in Atlanta. I'm not opposed to seeing the last game if it's in Tampa. So, Whoa, last game. Whoa. Hey, come on. We can be realists here. I guess hey, Tom Brady although, in the playoffs. I, no, but I will point out they've lost two all-pro receivers the last two weeks for the season. And they did just, they did just need a miracle. They did just need a miracle touchdown to beat the New York Jets. I still think you put Tom Brady in the playoffs and all bets are off. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah, stoked he just about wins. It. My favorite argument in sports. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, moving on uh, guys, I, you know, we're an all sports podcast. We're, we're going to cover all the sports that, that happened at the university of Florida uh, over the break over the last couple of weeks. Well, there really hasn't been much. Uh, finally, this Sunday, the women's basketball team got going um, after they had their first game canceled due to COVID uh, within the, I believe it was Mississippi State team. Jesse, is mm -hmm. that right? That was the Mississippi State game? Yes, sir. Uh, so then they played against Georgia. So their SEC opener is now against number 13, Georgia. And Jesse, they went wire to wire with the Bulldogs, right? Yeah, to the to the very bitter end, uh, but they came up just short, unfortunately. Um, and by the way, the the mistake game is actually going to be postponed. They haven't set up a date yet, uh, as far as I've seen. But anyway, back to the heartbreaker that is the Georgia game. Um, Florida started off pretty hot. I thought that they actually held the lead going going into the second quarter, but it was in that second quarter when Georgia's defense really started the show. And I don't think Florida has really seen a uh, defense that is as aggressive as the uh, Georgia Bulldogs yet. They are the the number twelve slash thirteen team in the country, and this this was I, I know Brian that it was it was kind of weird seeing that slash in there. But <laughs> but what um, is the slash? What, why is it twelve slash thirteen? There there are either or. It's like it's either the coaches poll or the AP poll. They just kind of slap both on the schedule. Yeah, just the I, I really, polls. Uh, I really, I really wish I knew the the exact answer. But anyway, regardless, um, so Georgia is is one of the best teams in, in the SEC, and this uh, was a very tough challenge for for the first conference game, um, and I think that really showed. And it, even Coach Finley said after the game that Georgia's very handsy, they're very aggressive, and I think that that's what got the best of Florida going into the second quarter and going into the rest of the game. Although Florida did come up close, um. At the very end there, when uh, when Briggs did did hit that um, that last layup, but that after that final foul, that excuse me, that final foul, uh, it seemed like it seemed like the dagger was already in, and Florida was coming up just short. Um, but I think the main headline from the game, uh, besides Georgia playing great defense, is that Lavender Briggs was completely shut down. And <clears throat> Brian, me and you talked before the show that if. Briggs isn't really catching fire for the Gators. It seems like, uh, and, and no one else is filling in that void. Um, that's where the Gators start to collapse. And uh, I definitely agree that when when Briggs isn't hitting her shots, or or even Kiki Smith, I think that that's where the, the team starts to uh, evaporate. But Jordan Merritt did put up a, a great game. She had 18 points, and um, that's always good to see her come off the bench. And um, I think that that's where 
a lot of the uh, highlights are coming for the Gators is, is, is off the bench. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think um, Lavender Briggs has to be a bigger focal point if this team is going to see the uh, success that they they believe that they can and that we've seen that that's gotten them to a 10-3 and three mark, now 10-4 and four obviously with the loss. Uh, but, I, I mean, it's, it's disappointing to see the way that, that game finished. Uh, because they were right there in it the entire time against a, a really good Georgia team. And that's going to kind of get lost in all this, I think. Um, but that's actually a very good Georgia team. That, that's one of the upper echelon programs. Um, and, you know, they were hung, hanging right there, which, you know, if nothing else, Ryan, that's got to give you hope for what's to come in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, I mean, trying to find a way to be honest without, like coming across is like tone deaf. This is a team that has been fairly one dimensional over the last few years. Um, I guess you could probably argue two dimensional with Kiki Smith, but this is a team that has been incredibly reliant on Lav. And this is not the first game this year. They've been able to contend and granted it's the best opponent they've had to do it with, but this isn't the first game this year where Florida's either contended or won with Lav kind of sidelined or eliminated for most of the game. So I think that's got to be the biggest plus if you're looking for anything to take from this team so far. Yeah, one thing I uh, take from it, Nina Ricards finished with 15 points on six of nine shooting. She didn't attempt a single free throw, uh, excuse me, three-pointer, uh, which is kind of where we've we've seen her play out on that um out on the perimeter, uh, but we didn't see any of that, but she got to the basket. She, she was able to score when she did, she went six for nine from the floor. Um, if she can put up those kind of numbers, that's going to take a lot of that pressure off of lab and it's going to start to open up the game more, maybe even down low. So uh, that's something that obviously we hope to see. One thing I really like that I've seen from this team so far this year, they, they hit free throws, man. Even in this game, they went 14 for 17. Um, obviously it's been an emphasis uh, since Kelly's taken over. Um, I know you guys didn't watch a whole lot of the women's basketball team the last couple of years, but free throw shooting is something that you've always just like, you know, like, Oh, really? Um, and so to see them actually knocking these free, free shots down, it, I mean, it's keeping them in the game. You went 14 to 17, 14 of your, what was it? 69 points came from the charity stripe, man. You take those away. You're talking a, a 73 to 55 blowout. Um, I think defensively, Florida is a really good defensive team. Um, I mean, I wish we could go back and, and score just a few more points in that second quarter, uh, getting, getting, uh, giving up 19 and only scoring nine in that second quarter really hurt. Um, but even that, I mean, you had a 50 to 49 lead going into the fourth quarter. You had a chance to win against what we have been saying is it's just a really good team. So uh, I think there's a lot of progress that we're seeing from this team and, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. Uh, this has been a really, really odd year with the COVID stuff starting up again after it was seemingly gone for football. And I get the indoor versus outdoor sport thing. And I, I don't really want to get too heavy into the COVID discussion, but um you know, this is kind of an odd year. If Florida can sneak into, you know, a, a low seed NCAA tournament thing, um, I mean, that would be more than a little bit successful, I believe. So, uh, Jesse, any final thoughts on the women's basketball team? 
Yeah, um, I guess a little little quick thing in there is um, I will say that when this team is playing on, on defense, that is when this team is able to win. I think that sounds a little bit more obvious than, than I think it does when it's coming out of my mouth. But um, before the Georgia game, the turnover ratio was outrageous. I mean, they were they were out stealing teams by, by about double digits. I mean, at, at, one, at one point, they only had eight turnovers, and then they created uh, 20 on the other side. And so I think since that was missing versus Georgia, I think that that, that was a huge thing uh, missing. And then maybe if that happened, they probably would have won. But Kiki Smith is definitely the one to uh, be diving all over the floor. Um, but before the, the the COVID postponement, she was she had about about eight steals uh, in a game before. And I think that once she starts to get back into that aggressiveness that, that Georgia was showing. I think Florida does have a pretty good chance. But overall, uh, the next two games are going to be pretty tough. Um, it is going to be versus Ole Miss at home, and then they're going to travel on the road to, again, a, another slash between the numbers, uh, number 23-25, Texas A&M, and that will be on the road in College Station. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Kiki Smith is one of those people. Uh, she may not get the credit that she deserves within the league because there's so many great teams uh, and Florida's not honestly a great team yet. Um, but she's a person who could win defensive player of the year. Like I said, it's not going to happen because uh, of the team that she's on. Um, but, you know, she's really come her defensive intensity is really just incredible guys. I want to switch up and go to the men's side of the game real quick. Um, the men's team also hasn't been in action for a while. We last saw them against uh, Stony Brook. It was a pretty decisive 25-point win. Um, their SEC opener against Mississippi got postponed also because of COVID. Um, so we've seen it affect the men and the women. However, they are expected to play tomorrow or Wednesday, if you're listening to this tomorrow, um, against Alabama. That's a really good Alabama team. Uh, Ryan, let's, let's talk some men's hoops. What do you think? Uh, I think the distinction between the two, I think for uh, women's basketball, the uh, COVID problems are within the Mississippi State program. For men's, the COVID problems are within the Florida program. Um, and this men's basketball team, I think I, I kind of got to parrot the same thing that I was parroting before. I don't think that their fall slate did anything to change my impression of them as a team when you look at it overall. Uh, within the microcosm of like day-to-day -day life, it probably felt like a disappointment from just how high the highs were after Ohio State to how low the lows were right afterwards with Texas Southern. Um, but if you told me that Florida was going to go, what are they, uh, what is it, eight and three, eight and four? Nine and three right now. Nine and three. If you told me the team was going to go nine and three in the fall, I would have been like, yeah, that's good. Like that's kind of like not like maybe not like, the ceiling of what they could have accomplished, but that would have been kind of on par with what I was expecting. So again, SEC schedule is probably where they're going to prove a lot. I think there was a point where I would have thought they'd be a dark horse to maybe give Kentucky hell for the SEC, but I don't really, or Alabama as well. Um, there was a point where I think they were kind of poised to give the Crimson Tide and the Wildcats a little bit of an, a little bit of a problem within the SEC. And I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's true anymore, especially with how good LSU has looked. Um, but uh, I think they're kind of definitively in that like kind of second, maybe like depending on the way you rank everyone out, either the second or the third tier of the SEC. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the uh, 
what the mentality of the Florida is coming out of the game or coming right out of the, of the gates. Um, I really want to see if they can get off to a fast start and that's both offensively and defensively. You're going up against an Alabama team that scores a lot of points. Uh, so I think this is going to be a good test for them defensively. Um, we've seen moments where Florida looked amazing defensively, and we've also seen moments where they haven't looked so good. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think this was a good time for a break. Um, you know, if you're going to have that that COVID issue coming off of a, a week break after the Stony Brook game, seems like a good timing. Um now it's about Mike White getting these guys focused for SEC play because SEC play is going to present a whole different challenge than what we saw, uh, you know, in in the non-conference stuff in the in the beginning of the year. Jesse, any thoughts on our men's basketball team? Um, yeah, I guess a little bit of half, glass half full perspective here. Um, I mean, because versus Maryland, I mean, I think the main problem versus Maryland was that the Terrapins were hitting threes. The entire game, uh, and at that an ungodly defense, rate, uh, at an ungodly rate <laughs> for sure. Um, but I think that there was some a lot of lessons learned from that because versus Stony Brook, they were a- able to shut down the wings. I know Stony Brook is probably isn't the same tier as Maryland is, but I mean, I, I think that Coach White did see that and made the, the correct adjustment, and uh, I think that that showed versus Stony Brook, and I think that that's a good thing to look on going in into the break and coming back is that. Mike, Mike White has been able to look at the Gator weaknesses and maybe make some slight tweaks that may or may not work. I think I think uh, we're still getting some experiments, but I, I don't think the team looks too bad. I think I'm pretty confident about, about Florida heading into, into the uh, conference play. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to argue any of that, honestly, um, which is good uh, because, you know, there's, there's just uh, – yeah, whatever. Let's move on. Um, Guys, let's uh, talk just very quickly about gymnastics. Um, I know none of us really have the uh, gymnastics knowledge that uh, Caroline Freeman has. Uh, if anybody hasn't checked I out. Many, I don't know many people who do. So oh, that's, that's a fact. I don't have any. I admit it. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway. Hold, holding us to the bar to Caroline is a bit comical. Hey, you know, I, I'm trying. <laughs> um but gymnastics is getting started on Friday. Uh, they have a, a meet that's, man, I don't even know what they're called. I know there's, there's four teams competing <laughs> uh, in the home meet to open the season. And uh, so it should be really fun. It should be a packed O-Dome. We haven't gotten to see that a whole lot with gymnastics with last year with the limited crowds and everything. Uh, I'm pumped. This is also just an insanely deep Gators team. Um, I know they've had, they had several people come back for that fifth year, um, including Megan Skaggs. Um, there's another name and I'm just completely blank on it, but that's, that's all right. But then they also have like all world gymnasts that have joined the team, including, um, Leanne Wong, um, and, um, Morgan Hurd, who actually just rejoined the team this morning, uh, not, excuse me, this morning, this week. Um, to get enrolled into classes. So uh, such a huge addition. Uh, I mean, this this team is loaded. Um, they were voted number two in the country to open the season, according to whoever <laughs> whoever does the, yeah. the gymnastics polls. I, I, I think the name you were missing earlier was Alyssa Bauman. Bauman, yeah. 
So yes, but, yes, yeah, Alyssa um, Bauman. <laughs> yeah, this this is the best team on campus until they prove me wrong. Like, oh, and I, I, like, and I don't think the gap is very close. This is a, I mean, just scrolling through, I feel like, and again, as if for people who do want uh, gymnastic content, like just from just following Caroline on Twitter, I feel like she's uh, pointing out something that kind of makes my eyes, my eyes pop a little bit about like a different gymnast on this team every single day. Yeah. So this team is not only incredibly like I can't even call it top heavy because it feels like the top is like almost every gymnast they have. Yeah. Um, so it's just so incredibly deep with people that are n- like na- going to be nationally recognized for a very long time. So yeah, this is uh, uh, Jenny Rowland's built something special, and I think this is like if any Florida team is going to at least heavily, heavily contend for a national championship, if not take one home this upcoming spring, I would think gymnasts have to be the favorite yeah i would have to uh, agree i mean this is a team that was knocking on, on the door of a national championship last year uh, i mean okay. and, and i mean i think they lost by like a fraction of a score right and, uh, i think they made the final four i believe they came in fourth they finished but they fourth kind of, in those final got, four but, but they, they kind of got bit by the injury bug a little bit and close to the end i know i think trinity thomas was competing hobbled um and they, well, had, uh, one thing they, had that... least, they had at least one fall during the final four, which is just, you can't do that in that stage, but right. That's one thing that Caroline brought up in her preview of the season for, for chomp talk that, you know, even if this team gets those injuries at the end of the year, there's just as good now, <laughs> of athletes now, now they have in that second rotation. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I, I, I don't know how Jenny Rowland's able to get all these people here. You can only play, four or five at a time per rotation. So, I mean, how do you get 10 elite level gymnasts to, to come and, and come here? I, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Billy Napier should be taking some hints from Jenny Rowland over there. Cause that, that's pretty, pretty freaking incredible, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, if Billy Napier does not need help building a staff, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit more. We'll get, about we'll that get to that, but I'm, and we'll I'm get sure... into some raging review as well because I, I want to talk a little bit about. I'll give you the floor. I'll give you the floor for that one. But yeah, I don't, it... I don't want. I don't want me saying that to, to me and Jenny Rowland at all because there, are, I think almost every coach in the country could probably learn a lot of things from Jenny Rowland. Oh, absolutely. All right, guys. So, yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of what's going on on campus. There is uh, on Saturday, there is swimming and diving against Texas A&M. Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the only home meet of the year, right? At least of the spring, I'm fairly sure. I think they had a, right. they had a home meet against Georgia in the fall. Um, but I, be, I, I believe it is the only home meet of the spring. Let me triple check that now before I get quoted by all 14 of our listeners. And Ryan, for those that haven't listened uh, in the past, who are some of the people they're going to see? Uh, some of the famous people, famous swimmers, that are going to be around that that that. Um, well, if you if you ignore the fact that, in my opinion, the greatest male and female swimmers currently on the planet, Katie Ledecky and Caleb Dressel, are both assistant coaches and volunteer assistant coaches. Uh, if you ignore them. Um, you have two Olympic medalists also just sitting on the men's swim team and Karen Smith and Bobby Fink, Bobby Fink, who for money, based on which it leads golds in the 18 in the 800 and the 1500 freestyle is pretty much by, by any metric, the greatest distance freestyle swimmer on the planet right now. 
and uh, is so well known for closing the gap in the final 50 to 100 meters of every race that it became called getting finked during the Olympics. <laughs> um, and Kieran Smith, who finished with, I believe he got a bronze medal in the 400 meter freestyle. Um, so yeah, there are two Olympic medalists just casually sitting in your classes if you're a Florida student, uh, like that are also student athletes. And then uh, two of probably like, probably the two greatest swimmers not named Michael Phelps of the last 20 years are assistant, like volunteer assistant coaches. Yeah, it's really, I mean, if you're not, if you're at all interested in the UF swimming program and swimming and diving, excuse me, let me also include the diving divers in there. Um, there's no reason not to come out and support this team. Mm -mm. Um, you know, on top of seeing world-class athletes in the pool, to watch the, uh, the, the coaches that are surrounding them. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned it, Ledecky and Dressel. Uh, I mean, that's royalty amongst the sport right now. And there's absolutely no reason not to be at the O'Connell center on Saturday. Yeah. Also we talked, we like talked, uh, we, we joked about, uh, the kind of staff that, um, Billy Napier's building. There are so many coaches on that swim and dive team. <laughs> so I'm just scrolling through that directory right now. There are so many coaches. Well, see, it's funny because you you brought up that you think gymnastics is the favorite of, of any of the programs. If you had to bet swimming on which one's going to bring home a title, swimming, I, I I would definitely put swimming and diving right there. <laughs> I would I would say, yeah, swimming is definitely. I mean, Florida is like always been one of those programs but uh i would say they're gaining national prominence now especially like and i know it kind of means a, like it's you still have to put asterisks on it because he did go to florida or at least for dressel's case but caleb dressel left greg troy to get coached by anthony nesty katie ledecky is a stanford alum and she left stanford to get coached by anthony nesty this guy is attracting the greatest swimmers on the planet like outside of college, like Olympians hang out with Anthony Nesty during the Olympics. And are like, I want to get trained by this guy. I want to hang out with this guy. I want this guy to coach me. And if that's not the great, like, if that's not the great, I mean, I'm going to anytime Katie Ledecky comes up in conversation, I'm going to like fangirl a tiny bit because she's insane. Um, and she's doing unprecedented things in the pool. Um, but like if those two, like, who just combined for, I believe, nine medals, seven of them gold in Tokyo this past summer. If those two can spend a few weeks around a bunch of swimmers and the best swimming coaches on the planet and be like, I want to I want to swim for Anthony Nesty, every single top recruit should acknowledge that. Yeah, it's, it's really something that's, uh, I mean, almost dumbfounding. And we don't realize just what a... A privilege it is here at UF. You know, I, obviously you guys are students here. You don't, you know, engage in, in, you don't play in athletics. So it's a little bit of a different experience, but holy crap, just to be able to go to school with these guys in 15, 20 years, when Caleb Dressel is the most decorated Olympian in American history, we're all going to be looking back on this, like, holy crap. And you guys are gonna be able to say, Hey, we went to school with this guy. Um, that's a pretty cool thing. Um, even, if you, I, I know he was done maybe before you guys started at UF, but you know, he was coaching at UF. <laughs> I got to go see him at the O'Connell center. Um, I mean, that's just, that's a really cool experience. And uh, like I said, man, it's, 
I'm not going to be in town, but if I was in town, there's no chance I would miss out on going down to the Odome and, and checking out the team and, and just, just being in the presence of greatness. Cause that, that's a great team. That's a great coach and that's a great staff that they've got there. So um, guys, I, I do want to just cover the schedule for the remainder of the week before we jump into uh, football discussion because football is one of the few sports where it really hasn't stopped, at least on the Florida side with the new head coach and everything. Um, so on Wednesday, men's basketball plays. That's a home game. On Thursday, you've got women's basketball. That's an, that's also a home game. Uh, Friday, gymnastics. And then Saturday, you've got men's and women's swimming and diving and men's basketball plays at Auburn. So uh, there's a lot of sports going on. We'll have a lot more to talk about next week. Um, yeah, guys, anything you want to add before we move on? No, I think we kind of touched all our bases. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. So, um, guys, let's talk about it. The, uh, Gators played in the Gasparilla bowl that, that six and six fighting Gators squad. Um, you know, I was uh, optimistic that we might see the team that showed a little bit of fight. I was optimistic to see the team that would show a little bit of fight like they did against Florida state. Um, I, I didn't feel like we got that. I felt like we got a bunch of guys who knew the end was year end was here. Um, I also full fully believe that um, this game meant a whole lot to UCF and a whole lot of nothing to Florida. I recognize that, but to Jeez. see the lack of fight from some of the Gator players, um, that was incredibly frustrating. Uh, Ryan, go ahead, go ahead and share your thoughts on the football game. I was going to say, you could hear it from the jump, just having the two teams get introduced. UCF fans were there and allowed the entire game. I mean, the game sold out, and I was pretty shocked it sold out, and then I showed up and realized immediately why it was, and it was because just how much this game meant to UCF fans um, and Gus Malzahn. But, yeah, I mean, I – and again, I don't really know what the cure to this was, but so if you're looking at Florida as a team, if you had to point out the leaders on that roster for who was there, play calling standpoint, Greg Knox, Garrick McGee, Christian Robinson, all three not coming back. Interim head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, are the guys calling the plays, all three of them not coming back. And McGee and Knox had already said it, and Robinson said it within 48 hours of the game. So I believe that if his job wasn't kind of in the balance for that game, then it was already probably decided. He'd just been silent on it. Um, uh, offensive leaders, Emory Jones, already like, entered the transfer portal, said he's probably going to leave. Jacob Copeland entered the transfer portal, announced he was going to Maryland less than 48 hours after that game ended. Um, Damian Pierce going to the draft. And, I mean, Pierce played his heart out. I, I don't want to lump him into that group. Um, but, uh, on defense, Mohamed Diabate transfer portal. Um, and it's kind of a weird dynamic where I think that, and I know why, and I get contractually why, and I'm not saying that Florida should have made Napier coach the bowl game because it doesn't make any sense and it's not how the contract works. But I think if the new regime had been in charge of that game, they would have thrown out some of the younger players and let them kind of try and prove themselves for next year. But because it was that older regime, they both a had the affinity to those older players and B wasn't really coaching for any sort of personal stake. It felt like it was just a lot of like, it felt like it was almost like a victory lap for a lot of those guys. And it was just a very bizarre lack of energy. The entire well, that's, day. That's the thing about Except it from though. Damian Pierce and Malik Davis. Right. Those two showed up hundred percent. 
but you, you talk about, you know, this victory lap and I agree because it, it looked like the whole time I'm screaming, like, where are the guys? Where's Lorenzo Lingard? Where is, and we're not seeing any of the guys that you hope to see in spring. You hope to see next year. And that's what I found most frustrating. I think in my opinion, what the bowl system needs to eventually get to and what I think it's going to maybe in, in a couple more years. And once the, the college playoff expansion, uh, happens, but I, I think what it's going to happen is all of those guys that are seniors, all of them that are, I mean, with very few exceptions, you know, some of your fifth year seniors that, that didn't really play a whole lot. I think they're going to be asked not to play. I think it's going to be basically a glorified spring game, uh, in the fall and give you that little extra preview and that 15 extra practices, although Florida only uses four of them. So, um, Ryan, real quick before before we move on from that, Florida. Greg Knox admitted about four practices. You cool with that? Uh, I guess the one question: uh, if you're trying to, if you care about winning the Gasparilla Bowl, no, you shouldn't be. Uh, what again? And this kind of ties back to it. Like, what? Like, what are you gonna do? Fire Greg Knox? Right. <laughs> well, here's here's my okay. Here's a question for you. You're you're in those media sessions. What brought up Greg Knox admitting there was four? Did somebody specifically actually, say? Coach, I actually did didn't. You... I actually didn't get to go to the uh, Gasparilla Media Bowl. Um, the media availabilities for the Gasparilla Bowl. Um, they were on Tuesday before the bowl game, and they were announced the day of the bowl game. And I was planning on driving down to Tampa on Tuesday, and I got sidetracked um, on my route there by a few unfortunate events that happened on my way to Tampa. Um, so. I didn't, I like got the email that the media availability was going to be at like five 30 at the, like, I can't remember exactly where the media availability was going to be. I got that email at like one when I was like, just getting ready to leave Jacksonville. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to make this media session. Um, or I saw it at least. So it was, it was definitely an own goal on my part, but I was not able to make those media sessions. Well, maybe I'll look it up because it is something that bothers me. Like, wait, did he just offer this or was he specifically asked? Cause it seems oh, like an odd asked. question. He yeah. But it I, seems I like an odd question asked. to say, Hey, how many practices did you guys do this year? Or maybe, uh, maybe, you know, it was something. It, it, might have been as, asked, it might've been asked by someone who knew the answer. Well, that's but. <laughs> Uh, that that's definitely like a question that Edgar would ask her. <laughs> Somebody who 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 knows their their stuff a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I had an issue that there was only four practices. It um, just it, it felt like from the jump, the whole team was like, yeah, I mean, like we know playing for it a felt a lot like the damn Oklahoma game last year. Mm-hmm. It's like they entered it, they weren't serious, they didn't really care. Um, they weren't where they wanted to be at the end of the year. And so they were going to let everybody know it, which is exactly why the younger guys should have gotten in. And it's exactly why I think that eventually you're going to see a situation where it's going to be mostly younger guys in these bowl games. So like I, 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 I have defended him more than probably anybody in Florida media um, to preface. And I get how you want him to go out on his own terms if he's going to leave. Um, if you wanted to play Emery at all, like which granted, I don't, I don't know how much future they have staked in Del Rio or Kitna because they seem to be alternating who's active and they don't really be, over, right. they don't really have any predisposition to putting them in there. But like, if you have two freshmen who haven't seen action and a redshirt junior who's going to transfer, 
even if you want to give Emery the start to let him go out on his own terms, if he starts struggling, why the hell is he still in in the fourth quarter? Jesse, a quick Great. question for you. When we're, we're talking about Emory Jones, uh, Ryan mentioned uh, Jacob Copeland earlier. Should players that um, have basically announced that they're going to go into the transfer portal or that they are transferring, should they be able to play? Are, are you cool with that? I, for one, did not think that J- Jacob Copeland should have been on that football field. I mean, I think this is kind of – I think this kind of goes to the point where it's – it was kind of the Gator Swan song, right? Of like the whole Dan Mellon era. I mean, I'm not I'm That's not gonna good. strip Emory Jones or Jacob Copeland of, of like their right to play. Cause I mean But here's it, my question. Well, okay, then let me before before we go further on that, then let's say the question is let's let's assume if you put your name in that transfer portal, you're fair game to everybody. Are you still a member of this team? Not really, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I and think at that he, point, I think you are. <laughs> well, I, I mean, considering he, I mean, look, I mean, okay, so why, why did for a couple seasons, like, right? Why not? Why not go out one more time with so teammates? Why did, why did, why did, why did Napier coach Louisiana's bowl game after he took Florida's job? He go. didn't coach their bowl game. Yeah, or coach their he, conference championship. The, the conference conference championship. championship's way different than a nothing bowl game. <laughs> okay, okay. So if if, it, if you if, you, if, you, this, if, you, if Brian, it was a CFP, if you, if I would just, have a different opinion. If you just looked me in the face and called it a nothing bowl game, then why are you also getting worked up when the players treat it like a nothing bowl game? Either we care about it or we don't. Right. No, no. I don't disagree with you. I don't care okay. about this. It was a nothing okay. bowl game. But okay. then uh, as long I just want to make sure we're not like holding them to two different standards of like, oh, we think it's nothing. But like, why didn't you play hard? Like, I I just want people to be consistent about where they fall. I, on I don't disagree I personally with you. don't care because I don't care about the bowl game. But. I don't disagree with you. But I think if you're a player, especially like Jacob Copeland's trying to, you know, well, obviously he had some kind of deal, backdoor deal with Maryland because it didn't take long for him to announce that. I mean, you should – Jacob Copeland goes up for a catch alligator arms because he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got bigger things to play with next year. (laughs) Yeah. But to the same point, it's also like, and I'm not saying this is what Florida staff should have done or what I would have done in Florida staff shoes, but it's also like, okay, this is a guy that if you're like Florida, you've coached him for the last four years, you have some kind of personal attachment to him. He's like, Hey, I have one more game to make a great impression for other coaches around the country and kind of raise my stock a little bit if you feel like you owe Jacob Copeland or you have that love and affection for Jacob Copeland that comes, because that's what coaches get for players if they've had them for that long. If you have that attachment to Jacob Copeland, I understand why you want to give him and you want to give Emery and give those guys one last shot um, to kind of just raise their stock as much as possible and give them a, give them the swan song they feel like they deserve, especially after a few of them had some less than pleasant endings to this season, I know Copeland probably didn't play the way he expected or be given the one number one jersey. And Emory Jones throwing three picks against Florida State probably wasn't the way he wanted to leave the swamp for the last time. But so I, I get that point. And that's not me saying that they did the right thing by letting them do that. But I understand why they could like why it makes sense, like what their train of thought was for like, OK, these guys aren't going to be here next year, but we still want to give them the chance to go out on their own terms. The only reason I kind of understand the Emory thing is because you didn't know what was behind him. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, that the, there was, if Anthony Richardson had been there, uh, 100%, I think Anthony Richardson just starter. Emory, go ahead, enter the portal. Speaking of which, has anybody heard, has Emory Jones officially entered the portal yet? Uh, well, g- given given the fact that, I mean, the announcement didn't say that he had, but given the fact that Yahoo said that they heard from Emory himself, I'm going to assume that he's already entered it. 
I just usually you see some, I mean, Emory didn't pen a letter saying, Hey, I appreciate my four years at UF or anything like that. And I'm not saying that he won't, maybe that he he, you know, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I, to me, I, I almost like, I'm like, man, maybe by playing in the bowl game, we made Emory realize he wasn't that good. And where is he going to go now? <laughs> I'm joking. Mostly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. I also, Guys. I also think, I also think there's, um, and I don't know if either of you guys saw a, I, I'm not going to comment on the validity or the comments made on the, uh, a picture of Emory Jones cycling around Twitter a day after the bowl game. Um, that looked like it was kind of like snap, like screenshots from somebody's Snapchat. Um, Jesse, I think Ellie's at your door because it just moved in the background. It freaked me out. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, she must have walked <laughs> out of your. She must have walked out of your room then, because your door just creaked <laughs> open slightly in the background, and it terrified me. I got to remember you have a cat. Um, but uh, but um, but on top of that, like and like and granted, if this is the attitude, then someone else also probably could have gotten a ring at quarterback. But if, like if for Emory Jones is like from his position. And I get that there are more layers to it than this. This is he's going out to play a like a bowl for fans that have kind of like openly been pretty vitriolic of him all season. And he knows he's not gonna come back there next year. I don't really like it, there wasn't really a whole lot of motivation in his play for me. He didn't really look like he was a hundred percent focused for that game. And I kind of understand why. I just don't understand why he was trotted out there play after play if that was where he was. No, I, I agree. By by halftime, I think you could have put in Del Rio or Kitna, whoever is the furthest along. Also, also Florida was competitive. I mean, granted, like UCF like looked good, but Florida was competitive and they were like running the ball down Central Florida's throats. Then they just like completely abandoned that in the yeah. second half. It looked also, like another Damian team Pierce. that we all root for. Da- so Damian Pierce. <laughs> Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. Ran yeah, I mean, I just, six, I, I mean, on their, dude, on their one touchdown drive in the in the first half, he ran six of their ten plays, and they scored. I, and then he touched the ball three other times in the first half. I I feel like in ten years we're going to be looking back on Damian Pierce after just a massive NFL career and being like, we had that guy. Are you sure? <laughs> and we're going to question what you know, and then we're going to think, oh my god, Dan Mullen did suck, <laughs> like. <laughs> So, um, Jesse, I I do want to get to you, um, about UCF specifically, because I know you're, you're from Orlando. Uh, you, you deal with people that either went to UCF, go to UCF, or, you know, you're right there in the hotbed. My brother went to UCF. So, uh, we get down there every now and then, but what does this game mean to UCF? Do, Do you, I mean, do you have a sense of what it means to them? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. So, uh, my, my older brother also uh, went to UCF. He, he graduated there. And uh, when I saw him on, on vacation, the first words he says to me was like, how about the Knights? And I was just like, and, you know, as an SEC fan, you try to, you try to be like, oh, they, their heart wasn't there and this and that. But then, you know, someone from another conference doesn't want to hear that. Um, but, oh. you know, especially now that Florida has, has, a, has a two for one series um, and, and Florida really had to nag UCF into getting that two for one. Um, it seemed like, and I, I think that UCF really needed this first win to really get over just all, all the social media 
trash talk that's that's conspired and uh among all my group chats uh, everyone was saying it'd be really funny if ucf won this game right now and i'm like guys florida's not that great yeah, like, like, ucf's going to win this game yeah even my brother called me before the game and he's like oh you ready for that beatdown i'm like yeah <laughs> yes i am I, have I'm you seen ready. us the last six weeks <laughs> yeah and, and, and he's like oh i don't want to hear it i'm just like i'm just telling you now so then you don't hear the excuses later and then so yes, I, I would say just like Ryan said, the, the UCF fans could be heard on the on the TV for I mean louder than, than the Florida fans were, and I, I I could just tell that going into that two for one series that UCF is going to hold this this win as a one zero in that, and um, I think it might start a new in state rivalry. Who knows? It may be not not a huge one with, with with Florida State like like that legacy has created over you know the past decades of Florida football. Um, but this will be really interesting. I think, especially on social media, there'll be some kind of some trash talk going all over. Jesse, I've long been of the opinion that when UCF gets into a power five conference, they're going to become one of the most dominant athletic programs, specifically football in the nation. And part of my belief with this is first off their location, uh, who would rather go to Gainesville than Orlando, uh, with all things equal, but also, I, I think mean, both cities kind of suck outside of <laughs> Disney World, but okay. To be, <laughs> it, it, it's I both Gainesville and Orlando. Over Orlando, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's because you grew up in Orlando. <laughs> fair. All right. So, yeah, let's, let's, but all things equal, UCF has a lot going on for them. They actually have a really nice campus. They, they don't uh, adhere to this old techno, old arc. Um, what do you call that? Um, Damn it, Jesse! You're gonna have to edit this part. Like architecture, keep, keep, architecture keep is the word sentence. I'm looking for. Keep that <laughs> sentence. Um, three, two, one. Uh, they don't adhere to the old architecture that Florida requires for all their buildings, so everything looks like it was there back in 1853. Um, and it's just—it's a really nice campus. That stadium, man! I go to a game there every year with my brother. That stadium is so much fun to watch a game in. I uh, I would much rather go to a UF USF game or excuse me a uh, UCF USF game uh, then I'd rather go to Florida Stetson I, I know that's not a great comparison but whatever I, but that's that's what it is <laughs> we'll get there um, <laughs> but I I think that UCF needed this win and part of what they needed it for was to propel propel them and prepare them for what it's going to be like in the power power five and to start recruiting for once they make that transition over to the big 12 UCF needed this win far more than I think even most of their fans knew that they needed it. And that's why Gus Malzahn and his squad took it as seriously as they did. Um, I think, like you said, I think UCF's a good school. Obviously it's not a top five public university. I get that obviously, you know, but man, I'll tell you what, when I walk around that UCF campus and when I walk around the UF campus, UF campus, I, I'm, I could get lost. There ain't nothing there. And those buildings are beautiful over at UCF. You know what I'm talking about, Jesse. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. I mean, they, look, I, yeah, I'm not going to look down on UCF as a school. It, they have great education, like, all around, you know, for, like, for sure. But um, I, I the, the only thing I don't like about the stadium, this is the only thing I'm going to say, is I make fun of, like, they're completely plastic aluminum like bleachers that they like to bounce on called the bounces i'm like if you keep bouncing one day you know knock on wood hey man uh, i've been day. in there and i'm like oh my god stop what is wrong with you yeah <laughs> i'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying one day you never know you're gonna hear some cracking in there i'm 
I've seen some I, like I said, football games. Jesse, have you, you been know? to a game over there? Um, I have. I have been to a UCF football I, I game. You, and I, I mean, I, look, I don't take this lightly. I've been to games at Penn State. I've been to games at, at a lot of the a lot of. Big you knew a whiteout game at Penn State? Absolutely. And that bounce house is up there with almost any one of them, man. Like that's, that's a really cool stadium. Um, you know, it's obviously, it doesn't have the tailgating, the stadium only seats like 40,000 or something. Um, so it doesn't have necessarily a, as vocal, but man, that is a cool, fun stadium when the, when the students are into it. So, um, guys, I, I want to move on. I want to talk real quickly. Florida got a quarterback, Jack Miller from Ohio state. Um, this confuses I, me. Why? Because why did he go from Ohio State to like back up Richardson, or did he come because Napier said that he might have a chance at the starting job? There's no chance he's backing up Richardson next year. Okay. I, I I think I think Jack Miller's your starting quarterback next year. I'd be okay. Shocked. So so Ooh. we're gonna we're gonna look at they're both redshirt freshmen. Yeah. No, I, I so Richardson's gonna leave. I, Richardson may not stay healthy enough to play. No, I know, but the the fan base is gonna riot when Richardson leaves. Uh, not if he's it throwing was... bombs like uh, Will Greer out there. <laughs> okay, Jack Jack Miller needs to be great. If Napier's I, I agree gamble. with that, I if, do if, agree if, with if that. If Napier's going to gamble on this guy and get rid of Richardson with all the promise that Richardson has shown, which I hate calling people injury prone after one season because it's such a small sample size. He is like he was clearly hobbled this year. But he showed so much promise and so much potential and took to the fan base so quickly that I feel like you like he's like earned the rep. And like for all we know, he could show up in spring and just beat out Jack Miller. I don't think Billy Napier's a, like I don't really think Billy Napier withholds himself to, like holds himself to the same standards of a little bit of nepotism of like oh you've looked better, but this is my guy or this guy's older. Like I do think Billy Napier, if Anthony Richardson looks better than Jack Miller in camp, will start. Anthony Richardson, but this is a really weird opening move to make on a team that really quarterback might've been my only non question going into next year. Well, now I think it's a question. Exactly. Uh, I think and we've got so, a competition. I agree. And, uh, like I said, I think, you know, availability is going to be the best ability of these guys. First mm-hmm. and foremost, um, Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I mean, it looks like he's got all the tools, uh, but we haven't seen for more than, you know, a, a game at a time. Mm-hmm. And um, Jack that's Miller incredibly frustrating. Played. Oh, I, I agree so. <laughs> a, a thousand percent. And I think you're absolutely right. He has to be really, really good yeah, this uh, to make this fan base quiet down over Anthony Richardson. Yeah. And who and knows? I, maybe he's going to do a dual threat, you know, you know, like a two way quarterback system. I, I mean, at like, least I these like two guys. Ends... Sorry, go. I think at least these two guys, you know, with one coming in, there's contrasting styles. Whereas with Emery and Anthony, I was like, well, these guys can both do the same thing. What are we doing here? Um, but yeah, go, go ahead and say your point there. Cause that's a good point. I was going to say there's two ways this ends. Either yeah. Richardson continues to be Anthony Richardson and stays healthy. And we think it's the weirdest move that's happened during the Napier era or Richardson leaves within the next 12 months. And well, I, think I think those are the, those are the only two ways that this ends is either we, look up in three years and we're like, remember when we thought Jack Miller was a thing or we look up and we're like, how in the world did Anthony Richardson wind up leaving like Gainesville? I think that there's a, uh, you know, at best 50, 50% chance that both of those quarterbacks are here this time next year. Oh, there's I, I <laughs> one of them has a, to go. <laughs> I would argue there's a 10% chance they're both here the, next year. I don't know who it's going to be. 
but there's clearly a competition. The only thing I would suggest is that if Anthony Richardson is as good as we think he is, and he's able to get out there and get out there and play, um, I think there's at least a decent chance he could be like, no, he's had his three years in college. Let's go pro. Um, I also, I also think this is a chance that if Anthony Richardson is as good as he, as good as we think he is. And I think he has the right mindset for this. Um, compared to a lot of other quarterbacks in college football, not naming names, including one South Carolina one. Um, but I do think he's also the right kind of guy where like Napier's like, hey, we got this guy from Ohio State. And Richardson's going to be like, all right, you know, you know fucking what? I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go to spring camp. Link. Because like, this is a guy who like, for as mature as he was, there had to be some frustration of like watching Emory play and then doing what he did behind him and continually being benched and being sat out and like not being able to play for the entirety of games when he's healthy. Um, uh, just kind of for Emery's sake. And I'm sure as close as they are and as good of a person as he seems to be, I'm sure there's frustration there. So I'm sure that like, it's like, it's got to bubble over at some point. And I, I do think he's going to channel that positively, but we'll see how that goes. But there's, there is a 0% chance there, both on Florida's 2023. Roster. Right. Like 2022 is going to be, it might be an open competition. It might be an open competition in spring. Um, as of right now, I'm still going to bet. Also, the other the other argument, Miller could be gambling that Richardson recovers slow from this meniscus surgery because he's going to be kind of hobbled during spring camp if he's even able to practice. Well, that's the thing. If Miller can, you know, show off an arm, and I, and let's be honest, that's what Florida fans want right now. We we've seen the legs the last couple of years. Now we want to see an arm. I guess not last couple, last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now we want a guy who can throw. You know what? We saw Kyle Trask, and then we saw Emory Jones, and you know what? We kind of liked one more than we liked the other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we want that big, sexy quarterback who can throw the ball a mile, whatever. He's going to have that chance to show Billy Napier what he's got. And uh, I really like the prospects there. Guys, time out. I'm going to see if this this order was ordered over an hour ago. It's still not here. What the hell? Give him hell, Brian. Give him hell. Yeah, I just, I still, I still think Anthony Richardson's the week one starter. I, I mean, I was going to say, like, I have a feeling like the labels of like, Hmm. AR is like it's like the Mullen guy, and then like Miller is going to be like a Napier guy, right? Like I feel like that label might affect that argument a lot, but yeah. But it going might, back to where we were before, <laughs> I feel I was going to say I feel like it might affect that, but I also feel like, like I mean we we there was a point here where we're like we thought Lane Kiffin wanted to come to Florida solely so he could coach Anthony Richardson. Like that was like what he was doing on Twitter. So I, 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 that, that label happens, but AR showed the flashes that you want. And oh God, dude, I'm still, I still think he made, and granted, he showed a lot of flaws because he was a redshirt freshman. And I'm not saying that he was perfect, but he still made the like two throws that like I still like think about, like just let my mind wander to. Um, the one rolling to his left to Copeland against USF. I know we've talked about that ad nauseum. But his touchdown in the back corner, I believe it was also Copeland, uh, touchdown in the back corner against LSU, like he threw this ball when Copeland was 10 yards short of LSU safety because Copeland was running at a dead sprint and LSU safety was facing him on like flat feet. And he was just like, oh, Copeland's going to beat him to the back of the end zone. 
And that was such a cool throw to watch in the press box and watch that envelop live. So, yeah, if you ask me to pick, I still think Anthony Richardson is going to be your week one starter. But this just got a whole lot more interesting. Yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot in the spring. Guys, I do want to mm-hmm. talk quickly about Billy Napier. Uh, Napier, man, this guy has come in and, I, I mean, he's delivered on everything he promised and then some, right? Uh, you know, we had early signing day. He told us, guys, don't expect much. All he did was bring in a five-star guy that, you know, Dan Mullen didn't do in, in five years. Come on, or so. uh, and he might get another. He might get another safety. And he might get another one. And <laughs> Florida, uh, might, Florida might be DBU within the next I, three years. Just We're going to be loaded at the safety position, huh? <laughs> um, also, you know you know what prospect really intrigued I'm sorry, I'm getting sidetracked and I'm interrupting no, you're you again. Good. Tony Livingston, who was supposed to be an offensive tackle and then shows up 40 pounds skinnier and listed as a tight end Yeah. on signing day. That's going to be interesting. Napier See, said he feels Napier like if someone asked him about it on early Sunday. Napier said he feels like Livingston's kind of positionless. Yeah, I mean that's a good thing, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, Napier, what he's doing has been pretty phenomenal. He's already put his army out there. That that's what we've been seeing. Uh, he's taking a lot of guys from Louisiana, which is really not making <laughs> raging Cajun fans happy. Uh, last night was one of the funniest, uh, I, I say funny on my end, I guess to them, it kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> but it was super entertaining. They had Twitter spaces and to be clear, I'm not the kind of person that gets into these Twitter spaces often. Uh, 99% of the time I just don't care. Um, but that one, I don't know how I ended up in it, but they're complaining about Napier stealing their entire staffing, um, including like the support staff, that was the biggest gripe. And I'm like, and they kept mentioning the videographer, like he took our videographer and they mentioned them like four or five times. Like, that's what you guys are worried about. <laughs> like, hold on a second. Uh, so it's just kind of like, it was kind of fun because it was mostly Gator fans by the time. I mean, we're talking, this went on three hours. Uh, and that's, I got out at midnight. Um, and it was just they they were venting and they were not happy. And then a Florida fan would get get become the speaker and they'd be like, "Hey, look, you are the little sisters of the poor. This is what happens. We raid you guys. Um, and now Napier is going to take your players. He's going to take your. <laughs> um, so that was kind of fun. Especially, um, I don't know if you guys saw today. Uh, I don't have the name right written down here, but uh, Louisiana's um, top running back entered the transfer portal. He was a freshman this year, rushed for over 800 yards. Um, definitely a guy that um, Napier could call upon. Um, yeah, that running back room next year is going to be interesting, I think. Um, the other thing is, guys, the transfer portal. My God, is this out of control, Ryan? <laughs> I mean, no. I don't. I just, I just think that players have a little bit more control about where they want to be. Um, I'm not like, I don't know. I've never really considered the transfer portal as like something that is a positive or negative. It's just like, what do guys want to do? And like, if a guy wants to transfer four times, you think he's not getting playing time. Like, I'm not going to stop him. I'm just going to do it. Like, like far be it for me to be like, all right, dude, like you're, what about those guys that are getting playing time? Those guys who just yesterday, Caleb Williams enters the transfer portal and, and I get he's his coach left and then, you know, whatever his coach left several weeks ago. He didn't, he wasn't in that flurry uh, of transfers 
I'd like to know what, what the conversation was with Williams. Cause, and that's a guy who's going to be a top pick in two years. Oh, 100%. But he's probably like, you know, I mean, you know, I'd even give more props to Caleb Williams. He probably sat down and talked about it with Brent Venables. And like he waited for Oklahoma to get another coach, probably sat down and talked about it with Brent Venables and was like, okay, this isn't the program that I signed on to and I was a recruit. Let me kind of open things up and see if this is really where I want to be. And you know what? I bet, I bet if, again, I don't want to assume things, but I bet if Brent Venables had given him answers he wanted to hear about what, like, what the offense is going to look like and how he's going to be utilized, he probably would have stayed. Now, did and, you guys? And do you think it's a? I'm going to say like if we're going to bring up Caleb Williams from Oklahoma and he should shouldn't have left. Do you think it's a coincidence that seven hours later Dylan Gabriel flips his transfer to? Well, Oklahoma? that's where I was going next. I literally right. have that written down. Dylan Gabriel, like, wait a second, you were going to UCLA. UCLA was in class. He was enrolling in class that day. UCLA was used like, for advertising. <laughs> well, I thought the UCLA thing was kind of dumb for him anyway. Jesse, go ahead. I know you know who Dylan Gabriel is. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe Dylan Gabriel just saw how much the uh, rent was in uh, Los Angeles compared to Oklahoma and maybe just made his decision based off that. <laughs> well, here's my question. If Caleb Williams comes back to OU, which he says is a possibility, whether or not you believe him, that's fine, whatever. But if he comes back, is Dylan Gabriel going to be like, uh-oh, wait a second, UCLA it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you never know. That maybe, but I mean, I don't think I don't think Gabriel would necessarily be, be afraid of a QB competition. He... He would behind. not win that QB competition. There's not no. a chance. Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, he he got in because of a Caleb Williams should go to South really Carolina to fuck with Spencer. Oh, I've been a hundred percent on board with that. I, that is I would that would, love that's my to favorite see it. reality. That, that is my be, favorite reality is that Caleb absolutely. Williams goes I completely to South agree. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse, I cut you off. No, no, no. I, I was gonna say. I mean, yeah, Gabriel only won the competition in, in UCF because of a unfortunate injury to Mackenzie Milton. Um but yeah, but I mean, if he goes back to UCLA, I'm I mainly just said my first statement as a joke, <laughs> but uh, because that 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 LA rent is probably definitely uh, very harsh on the wallet. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to the original question that was asked, Ryan, um, I do think that this whole transfer portal is a pretty good thing. I mean, when it comes to like entertainment wise for college football, I mean, I think that the sport's becoming a lot more player friendly. And it should be. I think players should be able to go where they want to go, um, especially when coaches are are always getting hired and fired, uh, and, and that's not the coach that, that that they want to you know play under. Why not? Uh, why not let him let him leave the state and, and go to whichever school they would like to go to? Why not? Yeah, I just I mean I don't like the free agency that it's brought about, but uh, maybe I'm a little old school in that sense. Uh, speaking of old school, I'm not a fan of the college football playoff. Uh, yet again, we've seen two blowouts in the semifinals. Um, this time it was uh, it was kind of all SEC, right? Uh, Jesse, are you one of those people that uh, you know you're chanting "Go SEC, SEC"? Uh, are you it just means that? more, Brian. <laughs> you know it may, but I'm sorry if if you were rooting for Georgia, you're a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, especially among among the Florida fan base. I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not gonna tell people who she who they should shouldn't cheer for. But I'm I absolutely think, gonna tell. If you're a Gator fan and you're cheering for Georgia, you're doing it wrong. Correct. I'll gladly give you that. I don't really I mean, know. I don't really know if either option is good. I'll, the the thing is, I was cheering for so Cincinnati. Much, I don't even think about Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I Jesse. Mean, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I mean, I was cheering for Cincinnati just because you know uh, it's your underdog. Sure. The, the, the AAC doesn't really get a whole lot of shot at making the, at the college football playoff. 
but just just regarding that but when just is, reg- what no sorry when are we going to acknowledge the fact that it's not the fact that it's notre dame it's not the fact that it's oklahoma it's not the fact that it's a group of five team all of that is not what's contributing to one and four games being blowouts it's the fact that it's alabama like that's the one constant like i know we, oh, like, no. it's, notre it's dame fun. sucks it shouldn't be it's a fun G5. to make <laughs> it's, it's it's fun I'm to make fun with of notre... all of those takes too <laughs> it's, it's fun to make fun of notre dame i don't make fun of the group of five but it's like i get i get why you think the power five conferences are better teams but like i i really like like notre dame and oklahoma and, and cincinnati i don't I, they all like deserve those four seeds when they got them it's just bama is so much better than everybody else every single year like it, and that's kind of the point where I mentioned before is like where I said there's no good options. Florida fans don't have as much, nearly as much animosity towards Alabama as they do Georgia, but Alabama's like kind of the point where it's so good, they're so good, it's bad for the sport. But you know what? Yeah. Their fan base has to be like, I mean, if you win that often, do you even winning feel a, it when winning, you win? <laughs> no, winning is a relief for Alabama fans. It's right. Not it's, it's not, it's not fun for them. No. Dude, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I took a freaking plane up to Philadelphia to freeze my ass. I was so cold. I've never been that cold in my life. And yet I don't remember being cold. I remember how amazing mm-hmm. the scenery and everything was. Uh, you know, do Bama fans have parades. Uh, I don't think so. They probably did yeah. back in like 2007. <laughs> yeah. They've but, been to nine of the last one. 13 national championships. Right. That's sick. <laughs> and I mean, as, as like, I think Saban might be the greatest coach in football history, if not co- like not, not, maybe not even college, just generally. Sorry. Yeah. Dolphins Sorry. fans might disagree with you. Uh, oh, whatever but, <laughs> they should have, they should have signed Drew Brees. He would have stayed exactly. Um, Jesse, but, as for like, Cincinnati, I wanted to root for Cincinnati. I really did, but I didn't like that they were in the early window because I didn't want. This UCF is what, that's to, what stopped you. <laughs> I, well, I, I, honestly, I did not care who won that game, but yeah. I didn't want Georgia to be able to coast in the championship game. Now they've got to earn it. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, counterpoint. Say, counterpoint. If Cincinnati had beaten Alabama, Georgia would have had to earn it against Cincinnati. Like, if but they weren't going to. Hey, dude, yeah, okay, Brian. So Alabama, this is Alabama this is the wins. point that frustrates me. This is the point that frustrates me. I just looked you in the face and said, if Cincinnati had beaten Alabama, they're legit. And you're like, well, yeah, maybe. It's like, okay, if Cincinnati <laughs> beating matter. Alabama, they, they didn't do it. It doesn't matter. No, I know. But you looked at me and rolled your eyes. Are we yeah. ever gonna give? Are we ever? Like, do can they do anything to give? No, you, no. To get I'm credit? telling you, 100. The G5 should split off and create their own national championship. I 1,000 percent believe that. Uh, they don't belong playing against Alabama or Georgia in a four-team or even a 12-team playoff. Nobody does. And I'll give you that. I would much, you know what? I would rather give me a semifinal and a championship game in each conference and then pick the two teams based on the BCS. I would be much happier with that. <laughs> so here's my point. Yeah, here's my point on playoff expansion. I know I've talked about this before. Um Playoff expansion is not going to be done to get it to bring about a different national champion, at least in the first few years of it. Um, because it doesn't matter if there's four, eight, 12 teams, it's still going to be Alabama and it's still going to be Georgia. Those are the two best teams in college football this year. The idea of a playoff expansion is that having a system like either the BCS or a four team national or a four team CFB where the same four programs, same five programs get exposure year after year, eventually it just winds up feeding itself. Um, like how many, like there've been, so there've been eight college football national playoffs. 
Um, Bama's been to seven. I believe Clemson's been to six. Ohio State's been to five. And Georgia's been to three or two. No one else has been to more than one, I don't think. Like, so if you're a recruit and you're sitting on your couch and you're a five-star and you want to win a national championship, you have three places you can go. Maybe four if you believe in Kirby Smart. Well, that's the thing. One thing that, that I think, I don't want to say defeat your point because I, I'm not trying to say that at all, but Kirby Smart built this program the way that he's done it with and that already record, being. And what's his record against Bama? Oh, I don't know, oh, and eight or something like that. Yeah, right. exactly. Like, <laughs> right, it, but it, but that's not what I'm it, saying. But he he has been able to burst through without. So we, so we've got one coach. Oh, I am. <laughs> like I, I, and, I don't disagree with you. And you got one coach well, that you know, com- that comes from that, like, and we're like, oh, like good on Kirby Smart for picking Georgia out of the doldrums, like SEC blue blood Georgia. <laughs> and picking them out of the doldrums and doing this what they should Kentucky, have been doing okay? this entire time. <laughs> like if, if Mark if Mark Stoops takes Kentucky to the college football playoffs, call me and tell me it's like it, the, there's a bunch of parody in this sport. But we're not going to sit here and clap for Kirby Smart for taking Georgia and being the fifth team with more than three appearances. No, hey man, I completely agree with you, and I think it all comes back to recruiting. And that's why when people would defend Dan Mullen and his laissez-faire approach to recruiting. That's that's indefensible. That's not that's what this game is now. Even if you don't have maybe the top class every year, you're you're not going to right now. But damn it, you could get a top seven class. You could get a top three in the SEC class. There's no reason that Florida shouldn't so, be in that realm. So I was playing cards with a family friend uh, last night, and being the absolute sports nerd that I am, I thought I thought it was kind of a good analogy for like what it is to be a recruit. Uh, I was playing, actually, I was playing um, Hearts earlier on in break. This wasn't last night. I just thought of the analogy last night. But I was playing Hearts early on in the break um, with my uh, grandmother, actually, when she was in town. And I was thinking, I was like, there's a lot of strategy involved in card games. And it's, it like, it matters a lot in terms of what you do with the cards in your hand. But the cards in your hand are like recruiting. Like, you can be fantastic at a card game. And if you're dealt a shitty hand, you can only do so much with it. And you can have, you can get beat by friends who aren't good at card games because they got dealt the right cards. And that's kind of where their recruiting kind of steps in. That's the point. I think at the end of the day, if you gave them two teams that are absolutely perfectly even, Dan Mullen is a notably better football coach than Kirby Smart. But Kirby Smart might be the best recruiter in the country. But see, I would almost argue, and I, I don't disagree. I think Dan Mullen, as far as a coach, he's a very good coach. There's no de- debating that. He just builds himself but- a terrible team. Well, that and I mean, let's not pretend that two of the four years that he he faced Georgia, he was out coached. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the players on the field; he was out coached. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I don't get. I I am I have a lower opinion of Kirby Smart as a straight play caller and coach than most people do. Um, just because I don't like, I feel like he has a very he's done a very poor job whenever Georgia does get. I feel like you know within the first quarter if Georgia's going to win or lose. Oh, I, I completely agree. If it's close against South Carolina, you're like, they're not going to win this. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, or, or, it, or like, I, I, or like against, or like against like Bama. Like he's like, we're like, like I'll put it this way. 2018 national championship. It was 20 to three. Like, what would you have put Georgia's percent odds in that moment? Like 30. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I, I think like part of that is Georgia. And part of that's just like Kirby smart. Like, 
what well, like, think... like what like and this is a hard hard um this is a hard standard to hold any coach to because i think there are very rare like upsets are just so rare in college football generally i don't know what games he wins that he shouldn't win like what time does what and what when does kirby smart show up with the worst team and walk away with a victory well, that's just not going to happen the way that he no, recruits. And you know what? To his credit, he knows that. Mm-hmm. He knows and, his strengths and, and he it, plays And to you know what? Props to him for that because we've seen other coaches that that just don't get it. Monday, and so good on him. Monday can entirely redefine Kirby Smart's legacy. And if, right, so, if, Monday, if Monday goes right for him, I think Kirby Smart could be in Georgia for the next 20 years. Ryan, is uh, Monday going to reinvent kirby smart let's hear um, let's hear your game prediction preferably a score god um you know what sure i'll make i'll make the bad prediction um georgia wins 24 17 confidence i think that i think that they kind of game a they game planned wrong in the first game and B they, the game kind of got away from Georgia in the second half when they changed their offensive playbook. Um, They were very run heavy early and were kind of keeping up with Bama. And then they kind of abandoned it and tried to win it on the arm of Stetson Bennett. And that's when Bama kind of just gave them the Heisman. Um, But like for how good Bryce Young was in that first half, Georgia was kind of with them blow for blow until they tried to make Stetson Bennett be someone he wasn't. Um, and like I, I know they just embarrassed Michigan. Michigan's not a bad team. That's a really good game, and they had something to prove. I just I I don't know. I don't I don't know. Maybe this is me hoping that someone other than Nick Saban winds up hoisting that trophy, which is nothing against Nick Saban. I, I like really I am respect for anybody but Kirby Smart. Funny how you say Fair that. Fair enough. <laughs> Jesse, um, what is your prediction for the game? So I know at the end of Avengers Endgame that Thanos gets snapped out of existence, <laughs> but I'm lost. <laughs> but I think that Nick Saban is still inevitable and i think that alabama is going to win the national championship and it's going to be another reign of terror for for alabama um i don't have a lot of analytics to go into saying why Bama's going to win (laughs) i'm not going to lie um but i just have a feeling that this game is going to be close um and i I think it's just going to be an an sec dog fight in the trenches like it usually is i don't think it's going to be a blowout at all but we will see Nick Saban lifting that that crystal trophy at at the end for sure. Final score is going to be. Let's pull it out of the hat here. Um, I'm going to say 41 to 38. Ooh, man, I like also, that. No defense. <laughs> also, I I know. I'm sorry to cut you off before you go, Brian. I know that I just picked Georgia. Why the hell is Georgia favored? They lost to Alabama like a month ago. In a because neutral two, site. Here's why, Ryan. Two out of three of us on this show alone are picking Georgia. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, that's exactly why. And so, uh, as as you just heard, uh, I'm going 24 to 20, Georgia. I had that written down before Ryan came up with a score very similar to mine. Um, mostly, I think that I think that Georgia is the best team this year, uh, at least uh, on paper. 
Uh, all year we watched that defense just dominate. And I think Alabama missing John Mechie is going to be a big deal. That passing game did not look great. And uh, I just don't think Alabama is going to get the running room that they got against Cincinnati. And that, that to me, I, I still think it's going to be low scoring. I like these defenses. I think both defenses are really good. But, um, you know, a big play here, a big play there. I think that as constituted as the rosters are with the injuries, Alabama and whatnot, uh, barring, you know, COVID issues moving forward, um, I think George is more likely to hit that big play. Uh, and I say that with like a holy crap. Am I saying that about Stetson Bennett? But uh, I am. <laughs> um, and, you know, that home run could come from the running game. So who knows? But I, I just think that I think that George has been the best team on paper all year. And I, I, dude, I'm hoping for a Florida, uh, for a Georgia loss. I really am. I, I do not want to go to Jacksonville next year and see these guys hoisting out uh, flags and stuff of uh, the national championship. You will never hear the end of it. Um, but here we are. And uh, like I said, two out of three of us think that Georgia is going to win. Point spread is two and a half points in favor of Georgia. Um, Georgia's, and Ryan, I, yeah, Georgia's quarterbacks need to step up if that's going to happen. Because I, I agree. Think, I think Georgia's flaw was they, they like tried to, they didn't try, which Bryce Young looks very shaky under pressure. Uh, he has all season. So I think if I think Georgia's mistake is they tried to rush three and protect the deep ball and Bama's receivers are just good enough that if you give them enough time, they'll get open anyway. So I think if Georgia shows up and tries to get pressure on Bryce Young and trust their cornerbacks a little bit more, if those cornerbacks can step up, I think Bama's going to have a hard day because that's what Cincy did. And that's why Bama couldn't move the ball in Cincy, at least through the air. All right, guys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that pretty much covers everything that's happened uh, from basically all things Gators right now. Um, we are less than 50 days from first pitch for baseball. We are less than 40 days first pitch from base, uh, from softball, excuse me. Um, so, you know, the, the spring sports are coming upon us. And uh, so here we are. I, I'm super pumped for baseball. I'm super pumped for softball. Um, lacrosse is coming around the corner. And uh, gymnastics starts – Friday, man. I, I can't wait. That's the being in the O-Dome for a gymnastics meet is, is pretty, pretty special. So uh, make sure to check it out. Um, guys, I, I want to give you a chance. If you have any final thoughts, now's the time. Uh, Rob Manfred is a coward. <laughs> Thousand percent. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, nothing from you. <laughs> um, scared money. Don't make money. Um, unless also you're, true. Unless you're like me, and when you bet on the NHL and you lose a lot, and uh, there, there's some good advice, good, good, good final advice for the show is don't listen, ever the, the sports game on hockey. It's really hard. Listen, the idea that scared, <laughs> the idea that scared money doesn't make money does not imply that courageous money also makes money. Like, it's, it's not, it's not a like dead opposites thing. Hey, they're actually know. the same. <laughs> yeah. Scared money, both of them. They don't win money. <laughs> yeah, courage, courageous money don't win money either. So. <laughs> I like it. Um, guys, I got two things. Uh, first and foremost, I, I want to you know mention the uh, Saturday night Eagles-Cowboys. Is that not the best rivalry in sports? I am so glad that the playoffs are already clinched going into this uh, game. Well, you know what? It's, all right, but I also don't clinched. fear Dallas anymore. A lot of our people are not going to like this, but I, I've got to ask you. Twelve guys came, went on the, the COVID protocol list or whatever, the COVID IR for the Eagles. 
uh, on Monday, the day after clinching a playoff berth. Um, you know, is that by design? Is this Nick Sirianni saying, we'll get ahead of the game. We'll just tell the league that they tested positive. They won't test for 90 days. We're good to go. <laughs> I, I do I do want to say Nick Sirianni did no comment when someone asked him if people were going to rest in week 18. So yeah. I think the fact that he's clinched it, Dallas is fighting for something that Philly is not. Um, I would like to see Philly try just because if Philly wins and San Fran loses to the Rams, which the Rams are a really good team, if San Fran loses, Philly can sneak up to that sixth seed and play someone that probably isn't going to be the Rams. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't really, yeah, it could be, uh, I don't really know, but I, I, I'm not going to suggest mass conspiracy. I typically subscribe to the most simple conclusion is typically right. But I, I think regardless of whether they're on the COVID list or not, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see Philly starters on Sunday, on Saturday night. Well, I, I fully expected they wouldn't play, but man, if they all tested positive and I, I use the, the air quotes on tested positive and they don't have to get tested for the next three months. Let's just do it. This is a Super Bowl run, right? <laughs> Listen, they're going to go to the Super Bowl anyway. Oh, okay. Hey, Jalen, guys. Jalen Hurts I, is going to win a Super Bowl for Philadelphia. Oh, man, that'll be the day. <laughs> he couldn't win a national championship at Alabama, but. <laughs> he did. He definitely did. I say, wait. <laughs> he definitely did. <laughs> didn't he get benched in that game? I thought I thought he, 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 he got benched halfway through, didn't he? He won as a freshman. Mm, as the f- main player? Yeah. <laughs> Look it up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Hey, so yeah. anyway, I, I do want to ask you guys, in profession, in professional sports, is Eagles-Cowboys the best rivalry? No. If not, which, give me a better but one. It's top five. Wait, in like uh, all Red Sox-Yankees. All of – well, let's Red keep Sox it Yankees. on the four major sports in the U.S. Uh, which includes the MLB, so Red Sox-Yankees. Yeah, yeah, of course. Red Sox-Yankees, <laughs> that's whatever. Behind that for football, I would put – Packers Bears, maybe. <laughs> yeah, who cares about them? No, no, no. Just, oh yeah, baseball. Darn, yeah, <laughs> I forgot yeah. about. I that. would say Pack, Packers Packers Bears isn't fun anymore because Rogers has treated them like a hammer and nail for the last like decade. Um, oh God, um, I I think it's one of, if not the best rivalry in the NFL. Um, I think it's got to be top two, top two or three in the NFL easily. I think I think even the Packers Vikings might might be pretty up there. I mean, I, I think it's just a matter of those two teams. No. See, the okay. divisions so he, have gotten rid of a lot of them because San Francisco and Dallas used to be a huge rivalry. That's but they don't yeah. play anymore. That's. <laughs> I mean, I would, I mean Lakers Celtics if they, is if they, that if a they play, uh, if they play oh, Lakers Celtics is definitely. Above it, just because of the sheer history. I would say if they play again in the Super Bowl, Chiefs Bucks is getting there. Um, even like a cross conference rivalry. I don't know how long it'll be a rivalry because I don't know how many more years Brady has left in his tank. But that that like that's been at least a fun little uh, go back. Also, you were right about Jalen Hurts. He lost to Clemson on that Renfro pick play in his freshman year, and then he uh, he won the ball. The sophomore year, he got benched. Yep. Well, he did win them that SEC championship in 2018 into a when Tua got hurt. Timeout. <laughs> you can call a timeout 82 minutes into a show, Brian. We were we were on the final thoughts. <laughs> we were on final thoughts, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going to keep this in the podcast. <laughs> no, but, uh, but other than that, 
there's probably like another baseball rivalry. I know we I know we all just kind of like crapped on baseball for a second. Um, I Brian did. <laughs> Brian, did. <laughs> that's fair. Um, I feel like there's like another rivalry of like that's like slipping my mind. Yeah. I think when Bears Packers are good, it's like they're up there. I, th- um, I think. I think I, I said that because more of like how old the rivalry is. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, I think you know, I, I think title talent yeah, versus eighty five bears. Like, you know, it's yeah, Brian. How dare you call a timeout during like the final thoughts? Uh, my pizza arrived, man. <laughs> Finally, we have two minutes left. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, in terms of professional sports, I think Red Sox, Yankees, and what the hell is Celtics Lakers? Yeah, I think those two, but I think Eagles Cowboys is the best NFL rivalry. Obviously, a little bit of bias. <laughs> I just which it's that. funny because all, all three NFC East teams think the Cowboys are their biggest rival. Yeah, <laughs> I do agree with that. Dallas. I see. I, I would actually argue that the Giants might be uh, like might one be A to. I mean, it's very close to the Dallas. Although, I, I don't know. I, Living in, in the city, growing up in in Philadelphia in that area, oh, Joe Judge is kind of like the drunk uncle you just kind of like make fun of while you tell him to go sit in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Judge is an idiot. He's not a good like, coach. Can, can, can <laughs> someone, can someone get Uncle Joe water. All right, guys, I'm uh, I'm gonna wrap it up with this. I just want to take a second um, to acknowledge uh, the Gator Nation. Kind of lost somebody that. Um, I don't think anybody was uh, expecting, obviously. Um, Robbie Roper, a Mm -hmm. senior in um, Georgia, in Woodstock, Georgia, um, passed away suddenly um, right before Christmas. Um, Incredibly sad for his family, um, sad for his friends. He was a guy that Florida was interested in. I know I had talked to him um, the weekend before. he was excited to come down here. Um, he was excited. He couldn't wait for an offer. He was expecting to talk to Billy Napier over the next couple of days. Um, and you know, I, I don't know that. I mean, there's a lot of rumors about what happened. I don't think it's really fair of us to discuss any of that. Um, but uh, I mean, man, you know, it, I will say it, it's one of those literally I had talked to him like three days earlier and, uh, that one, I was, I was surprised. I was like, wow, that one kind of hit me. And I, I literally stopped what I was doing. It was just like, wow. Um, you know, this kid had everything in front of him, a uh, real good quarterback, but uh, I mean, none of that even matters. Uh, just a good kid, good student. Um, I mean, I, I really feel for those parents. Uh, obviously it's not something that we can even, uh, you know, articulate, um, something that we've never had to endure and, and, you know, at some point, hopefully we won't, but, um, you know, I, I just, that was one that I, I felt it was necessary to bring up. Um, Gator fans were actually excited to see him. He was a two star out of Georgia, like I said, but, um, uh, the, the tape made it, made him look much better than, than that rating was. And, uh, a lot of Gator fans felt he was very underrated. Um, if you're interested, there is a scholarship fund. Uh, it's on GoFundMe.com. If you look up Robbie Roper Scholarship Fund, you'll be able to find it. Um, they've already reached their goal for the year. They were hoping to get $50,000. They reached that. Um, but every everything more just continues to add to it. Um, like I said, I, I, I mean, I can't really tell you guys more than – I mean, he was a fun guy to talk to uh, and uh, just a real – 
I mean, he was so excited. Um, he was so thankful. Uh, he kept calling me, sir. I didn't really like that. Um, but, um, he was so excited to, uh, have the, um, to have the interview. He just got, Hey, thanks for the interview. I'm like, dude, you're doing me a favor. Don't, <laughs> you don't have to thank me. I appreciate it, man. Um, so anyway, I, um, I thought it was, uh, important to mention that, um, guys, anything to add before we sign off? Uh, I do have one thing after this, but it's, uh, notably not nearly as important. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I want to echo everything you said. Um, it, uh, I mean, it's just hard to find words. Um, it, there are a few moments in my life that have kind of made me force myself to sit back and kind of reconsider uh, a lot of perspective and a lot of things that I probably take for granted um, and just kind of rethink how fragile and important life really is. And I think that Robbie Roper uh, passing away was unequivocally one of those incidents, even as someone who'd never personally interacted with him. Um, I just, I can't even imagine, and I'm thinking for and grieving on behalf of his family in this moment. And I cannot, I just, there's no way to word this that's ever going to make it. I, I can't say this in a way that'll ever make it have the full meaning it has in my head and in my heart. So I just really, really hope that there's some way the Roper family can ever find some, I don't know. I don't even know how to wait. I don't even know how to put it. Right. It's just there's, cause this is so unequivocally bigger than football. Um, and just like, regardless of like, whatever happened he was eight like 18 years old 17 years old like this is this is a kid and that's no like every time no matter how good of a quarterback he was every time something like this happens to a kid it's so unequivocally tragic yeah jesse anything you want to add to that um yeah not, not really uh, a whole lot to say besides my thoughts and, and and my heart goes out to the uh to the Roper family for sure um this was just uh, an accident no one no one could really see coming and uh, it was just a tragedy to see such a young soul go away and um it always makes me sad to see someone at the young age of 18 i'm only i'm 25 and it's really really stinks to see someone at that age uh, go away from the earth and um you know brian based off what you said he did he definitely seemed like an awesome personality he definitely seemed like an awesome guy to be around and um yeah, just my, my my thoughts go out to the Rover family, and um, I'm I'm really glad to hear that that they reached their goal of of the fifty thousand dollars. I think that's really awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I think it, it really says a lot about how much Florida, the Gator Nation had already been rooting for him for so long, even without him getting an offer from Florida. I think it shows a lot of the kind of kid he was and the kind of impressions he left. All right, guys, for Ryan Haley, for Jesse Richardson, I am Brian Fox. Thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next week. And it's a, it's a busy week, so there's going to be a lot to talk about. And uh, we'll go from there. Thank you all. Appreciate it, everyone. Peace out, guys.